The scripture reading this morning is from Romans 6, 15 to 23. What then? Are we to sin because we are not under law but under grace? By no means. Do you not know that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one whom you obey, either of sin, which leads to death, or of obedience, which leads to righteousness? But thanks be to God that you who were once slaves of sin have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you were committed. And having been set free from sin, have become slaves of righteousness. I am speaking in human terms because of your natural limitations. For just as you once presented your members as slaves to impurity and to lawlessness, leading to more lawlessness, so now present your members as slaves to righteousness, leading to sanctification. For when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. But what fruit were you getting at that time from the things of which you are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. But now that you have become set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the fruit you get leads to sanctification and its end, eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Meg. Good morning, Lake Baldwin Church. <clears throat> well, over the holiday season, I had some free time and I got to rewatch one of my all time favorite movies. Uh, and in the Star Wars uh, series of episodes, I think Empire Strikes Back, episode five, is the very best of all those episodes, has the very Best plot, and uh, it introduces my favorite character, uh, maybe yours, Master Yoda, right? Master Yoda. <clears throat> uh, if you're familiar with this episode, uh, Luke Skywalker, the protagonist in the story, uh, he, he gets this idea that he has to travel to Dagobah uh, to, to seek out Master Yoda, Right, and uh, Dagobah is that swampy planet, kind of like Florida, snakes and lizards and, and frogs and whatnot. Uh, so he finds Master Yoda, uh, but the story takes a quick and abrupt turn. Uh, as he's doing his Jedi training, what happens? Well, he gets this vision of the future, uh, and that vision of the future is this, that his friends are suffering, uh, and you know Luke at this time, he's, he's impatient, he's uh, impetuous, uh, impulsive young guy, and so he decides he's going to quit his training, go off and save his friends. Uh, this disappoints Master Yoda, why? Because, you know, to train as a Jedi, to come under Master Yoda is to, is to serve Yoda, to be obedient to him, to be devoted uh, to Yoda. But instead, he decides to go his own way, to do his own thing, and go off and save uh, his friends. Now, if you're familiar with the story, you know what happens. He goes and he encounters who? Darth Vader. And there's a very, very uh, famous scene in this movie, right? This is the scene where Luke's arm gets cut off, right? And he's battling Darth Vader in this uh, lightsaber duel. 
And the, and the famous line where Darth Vader says, I am your father, right? Um, and if you remember the scene, this is what Vader says. He says, join me. I'm going to complete your training. And together, we will rule the galaxies. Uh, in that moment, Luke is basically faced with a choice, and it's a choice between slavery and freedom. It's a choice between slavery to the dark side of the force, being controlled by it, having to serve it. You remember what Yoda said, you know, anger leads to hate, hate leads to suffering. You know, this is the way of the dark side. Luke is faced with this choice of coming under Master Vader or Master Yoda. Uh, in our passage today, Paul is going to use a similar analogy. Uh, it's not going to be an analogy of Jedi masters and Padawans, but he's, he's talking about slavery, masters and slaves. Uh, it was something very familiar to the people in that day, it was a, is part of the fabric of their society. And in using that analogy, Paul is basically presenting his readers with this option. You can have a master of sin or a master of God. Serve sin or serve God. Obey sin or obey God. Be devoted to sin or be devoted to God. And we'll see as we unpack this passage this morning that our master determines how we are going to live our lives. It's going to determine the quality of our lives. And of course, it's going to determine our final destination, our destiny. And we're going to see that there's going to be a paradox. A paradoxical truth is going to be presented. That true freedom is actually found in obedience and total devotion to Jesus. To paradox, serving him, obeying him, being loyal to him, having Jesus as our master. Now, Paul uses this analogy and illustration to make a point, but he recognizes that there are limitations to analogies. In verse 19, he says, I'm speaking in human terms because of your natural limitations. Now, Paul, in using this analogy of slavery, is not endorsing it. You know, uh, opponents of the Bible would say, look, see here, the Bible endorses slavery. No, Paul is using this because it's something that was a part of their society that they were familiar with. Doesn't mean that he endorses it. And so when we use analogies, it's not, not necessarily an endorsement of that analogy or illustration, though I endorse uh, uh, episode five to you and commend it to you this morning. <laughs> uh, but there are limitations. So keep that in mind as we go through and talk about this scripture that with any analogy or illustration, especially as we're looking at uh, masters and slaves, that there are limitations to what we're talking about. And so before we jump into the passage and look at our two choices, serving sin or serving God, I want to address uh, two verses, verses 14 and 15. 14 was from last time. It says, for sin will have dominion, no dominion over you since you are not under law, but under grace. And then today in, our, in 15, what then? Are we to sin because we are not under law, but under grace? Uh, you may wonder why last week Eric didn't address this idea of not being under law, but under grace. 
uh, and why this week I'm not going to dive into that. And the reason is, is because in chapter 7, next week, that's where Paul really digs in and unpacks what does it mean to not be under law, but under grace. He really actually doesn't address it so much uh, in this passage. So we're not going to do that. So, so put a pin in it and hold on to it and stay tuned. Uh, next week, we'll jump into those truths. So let's now look at serving sin. What does it mean to serve sin or have sin as your master? In verse 16, do you not know that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one whom you obey, either of sin, which leads to death, or of obedience, which leads to righteousness? And so what does it look like? How do you live if sin is your master, and the Bible is showing us by this illustration, if sin is your master, you are in slavery. You are in bondage. You are held captive. You actually lost your freedom. Eric described it last week as a tsunami in your own heart. Who can control a tsunami? You may think and believe this morning, if you're not in Christ, you may think and believe and even have this feeling that, no, I, I'm free. I can do whatever I want. But the reality is, and the, the Bible is going to show you this morning that you actually have no control over the situation. And that apart from God's grace in Christ, this actually is the condition of all of us, all of mankind after the fall. Everyone is under the rule, the reign, the power, and the authority of sin apart from the grace of God. You know, it's like, just like the dark side of the force. If you know the whole uh, series of movies, you know that Darth Vader is Anakin Skywalker, and he succumbs to the dark side of the force. He cannot control it. He cannot tame it. And it's the same way with sin. You cannot not sin if you are under its control, under its reign. You are not able to not sin. And, and for those theology buffs out there this morning, that might ring in your head. Uh, you may be hearing that Latin phrase, non posse, non picare, not able to not sin. And I think it's, it's helpful this morning to to have this framework that Augustine set out for us many, many years ago. And what he, he sets out for us is the four, uh, fourfold states of man. And these are the states of man before the fall, after the fall, when we are regenerated in Christ, and when we are resurrected. And let me give those to you so that you can understand, because this is a little bit of what Paul is talking about this morning. Before the fall, man was able to sin and able to not sin. And of course, we know that he chose to sin. But after the fall, this is where we find ourselves when we're serving sin. We're not able to not sin. Not able to not sin. But when we are regenerated in Christ, yes, we are able to sin. But he has set us free and we are also able to not sin. That's the third condition. The fourth condition, when we are resurrected and given new bodies, this is the best state of all, and it's better than Eden. We are not able to sin. Do you get those four different states? 
What Paul says here now is when you are in slavery to sin, you're in state number two. You are not able to not sin. That's what it looks like to serve sin. That's what it looks like to have sin as your own master. It also looks like going your own way and being left to your own devices. Look with me at verse 20. For when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. Now, what does that mean? It means that, in a sense, you were able to ignore God's law. It had no bearing on your life. You were free from it. You were free from it. Now, now this, if you're here this morning, that might sound glorious to you. But yeah, I mean, serving sin is better. I can throw off the shackles of God's authority on my life and I can be totally free. But the Bible is saying this morning that no, you, you are actually a slave. It's a paradox. This type of freedom is what the Bible is actually calling slavery. When, when our kids were young... Uh, we, had, we had a number of different pets, and one of the, the, the pets that we had were fish. And, um, you know, we put them in the, this little fish bowl. And, and you guys are familiar. If you've ever had fish, you know what they do. What do they try to do? They, they try to get out of, the, out of the fish bowl and jump outside of the fish bowl. It's as if in their, their little brains they think that true freedom is found outside of the fish tank, but, but you know what it leads to, right? I mean, the sad thing that parents have to wake up in the morning, you go to feed the fish, and there on the ground is the shriveled up, dried up fish. It's not freedom outside of that. But we, somehow we have this idea that there is freedom outside. What does it look like to be a slave to sin, not able to not sin? In verse 19, for just as you once presented your members as slaves to impurity and to lawlessness, leading to more lawlessness. Presenting your members. What is Paul talking about here? He's talking about the members of your body. He's talking about the parts of your body, your eyes, your, your brain, your mind, your imagination, your, your, your motivation, your will, your abilities, all that you are, presenting it to sin, offering it to sin, every aspect of your being, surrendering yourself to serve sin, giving your eyes to lust, giving your mind and your imagination to envying and coveting, giving your motivation and your will to set after your own agenda, to set after satisfying your own needs. It looks like being a slave to things like your reputation, to romance, relationships, money, possessions, power, the way you look, these things that you're letting control your life. It looks like this. If you're familiar with people who are caught in addiction, I mean trapped in addiction, it looks like them. Them having their whole body controlled by this addiction. Giving over their, their eyes to pornography or, or their mouths to alcohol. Their brains and their very motivations and their will set after seeking their addition, addiction. Sin is an addiction. 
And it's an addiction that controls your life. That's what it looks like to be in slavery to sin. And so sin as your master, it's going to have your whole body. It's going to have every part of your being dedicated, devoted to it. Sin determines how you're going to live. It also determines the quality of your life. Look with me in verse 21. But what fruit were you getting at the time from the things of which you are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. In other words, what he's saying is before you became a Christian, Roman Christians, remember what it was like. What benefit did you actually get from living a life of sin? And if you're here this morning, you've yet to, to follow Christ in faith. It's, it's a question for you, a genuine question, an honest question to consider and evaluate. How is it working out for you right now? And are you getting really what you've been striving after? Are you getting these things that, that money can't buy, like abiding peace? A hope that is certain and sure. Is your mind and your heart at rest and quiet? Or are you constantly in turmoil? Do you have joy that the Lord has put in your heart? Or is it a joy or happiness that comes and goes with your circumstances? You know... Interesting thing, we live in one of the wealthiest nations on planet Earth, and, and today in modern history, we have the capability, the access to have anything we want, to be anything we want, to do anything we want, and, and is led to, to what? To flourishing? No, it has led to rising rates of, of depression and anxiety and stress and loneliness and isolation. If you're a believer here this morning, verse 21 is something that you probably can resonate with. When you look back on your life before Jesus and you look back on your life, you can feel what he's talking about, the shame as you consider the things that you did, the people that you've hurt, the way that you've lived your life, and the people that you failed to love well. That's what it looks like to serve sin as your master. Let's look now what it looks like to serve God as your master, verses 17 and 18. But thanks be to God that you who were once slaves of sin have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you were committed and having been set free from sin have become slaves of righteousness. And so what does it look like to serve God for those who are following him in faith, it looks like this. It looks like obedience. It looks like obedience to his word, his holy word, his commandments, the scripture. Obedience to his law. And that word obedience to God, it's an idea that, man, it's, it's not popular in our culture today, right? And our culture completely rejects it coming under his authority. And the disturbing thing is, is that the household of God is beginning to feel the same way. 
that it's becoming unpopular to be obedient to God. And I can understand a little bit about that because to obey God, to follow God is to be unpopular, to be labeled, to go against the culture, to go against the stream that we are swimming in. It's to, it's to say things that we believe that, that, that God ordained marriage to be between one man and one woman. It's to say things that, that, like this, that God made them male and female. But to serve God as master is to be obedient to him, to hold forth the truth of God's word, to affirm it, that it is good, it is his design, it is his way. But to do it gracefully, to do it in love, to hold those things in balance, grace and truth. God's grace has radically set us free. That's what scripture is showing us this morning. It has set us free from sin. So what? So that we can obey. He's taken us out of the realm of darkness and put us into the realm of light. He has taken away the sin and shame and given us flourishing. How can we go back? How can we go back and think it's better? You know, as, as believers, uh, we often romance sin. We often romance what our life used to be. Anytime we're considering sin, anytime we're involved in sin, we romance what it was like before. When our kids were growing up, one of the, the uh, cartoons they grew up watching was VeggieTales. I don't, I don't know if it's a thing or not yet. I think Bluey is the thing. Uh, but it's, this is strange. This is how adults, parents remember VeggieTales, right? My favorite episode is Josh and the Big Wall. Um, and in this, in this episode, it's recounting the, the, the journey of the Israelites through the desert on the way to the promised land. Uh, and uh, the, the, the characters are vegetables, by the way, if you didn't know that. <laughs> in this scene, one of the vegetables is romancing what it was like before. And, they, and we usually do this when, we're, when we face sin, when we face obstacles. And, 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 and the vegetable begins to say, we should go back to Egypt. Don't you remember three square meals a day, snorkeling in the Nile? And there was plenty of exercise, right? And then what happens? One of the other, the P, uh, the, the French P says, uh, but we were in slavery, right? We often forget what it was like to serve sin. When we're serving God, we often romance sin and we forget that serving sin is being in slavery. Being in slavery. No, we can't go back. It wasn't good. It wasn't good. Here our scripture is saying that we have been set free and have become slaves of righteousness. We have been freed to obey God. To have Jesus as our master means that we are obedient to him. I want you to see, though, the character of this obedience. That this obedience arises from a heart that has been transformed. Verse 17 having become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you were committed. 
obedience that arises from a heart that has been transformed. It's a heart that wants to obey, not has to obey. It's a heart that's obeying not out of duty, but out of delight. It's a heart that is internally motivated to obey, not externally coerced. It's obeying because we have been loved, because we have been rescued from slavery of sin, because we have been lavished with his grace. It's obedience because we have those things, not to gain those things. And I think it's super important this morning, whether you're a believer or an unbeliever, that you see the crucial difference here when it comes to obedience, that the gospel of Jesus Christ has to inform your obedience, your discipleship. Discipleship at LBC has to be informed by the gospel. Discipleship at home has to be informed by the gospel. Otherwise, what are we doing? We're just creating, raising up Pharisees. Pharisees at church, Pharisees in our little Pharisees in our home. People who know what to do on the outside, but whose hearts have never been transformed by the gospel of grace, whose hearts have, who have never been captivated by the beauty of Jesus. And so what I'm saying here is that our heart level motivation, it matters. It matters. Pathway Learning is one of our uh, partners here at Lake Baldwin Church. If you're not familiar with it, I commend you. Jump on their website. Steve Childers is one of, well, he's, he's the, he leads that organization. Uh, he sent out a wonderful article earlier this year about uh, spiritual disciplines. And, and as we embark on the new year, it's easy for us to want to engage in spiritual disciplines and to, and to double down and buckle down. And I love how he, in that article, talks about the fact that we need to look under the hood. Because on the outside, we can all look the same. You can't tell. You can't tell. You have to look under the hood. Why are you obeying God? What is motivating you? Is it because you feel like when you're obeying God that he is loving you even more? Or when you're disobeying him, that he loves you less? When you read his word that, that he's loving you more, if, if, if you haven't read his word in a, in a week or a month, that somehow he loves you a little bit less. Obedience from the heart is a heart that is motivated by the unchanging love of God given to us in Jesus. Not to gain his love, but because we already have it. If you're here this morning, you find yourself at times dragging yourself to obey God, you need to go back to the gospel of grace. And perhaps you don't really understand the gospel. Maybe you've been coming to church all along and, and this, is, this is like an indicator for you, a warning light on your dashboard that says maybe you really don't understand yet the gospel of Jesus Christ. Or maybe you're, you're long in the faith and you do understand it, but you just need to be reminded once again how good the gospel is. 
You need to do what Eric talked about last week and, and preach the gospel again to yourself. I know for myself, I am so wired. I am so wired in my DNA to believe that somehow God's disposition towards me is based on my effort. It's based on my performance that I have to hear the gospel every day. I have to hear the gospel over and over and over again. Scripture is showing us this morning true freedom is found in obedience to Jesus. It's found in living within the boundaries that our creator has designed for us. True freedom is found in becoming a slave to righteousness, a slave to God, coming under Jesus's rule and reign and authority in your life. Coming under Jesus's reign is where us as humans will find the ultimate flourishing. It's why the psalmist could say in Psalm 19, I'll read this for you, he can say this about God's word, that it is, it is desirable. It is desirable. In Psalm 19, starting in verse 7, he says this, the law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, even much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and drippings of the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is your servant warned, and keeping them there is great reward." Is that the testimony of your heart? Do you, do you resonate with the psalmist that God's word is a delight to you? It's not a duty to you. If it is, praise God. Meditate on, marinate in, soak in the gospel of grace. If it's not your testimony, perhaps go back. Do you understand the gospel of grace or do you just need to be reminded once again that, that God's love for you does not rise or fall based on your performance? Doesn't it make sense as created beings, as limited beings, that we actually don't have ultimate autonomy? Ultimate autonomy that we can do anything that we want? That actual freedom is found within the bounds of the one who has created everything, who has created us. You know, the best life for our pet fish was found inside of the bowl, not outside of the bowl. You know, as the owner of those pets, I knew what was best for the fish. Stay in the bowl. I'm going to feed you. I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to change the water. I'm going to do all these things. We can struggle with this idea that God's best for us is found within his word, within his ways, within obedience to him. Why? Because we think that God is holding out on us. We think he's holding out on us, that there's actually something better outside of God's 
ways outside of his will. That's what happened at the fall, right? Adam and Eve thinking, oh, there's, there's something better than what God has provided for us. It's this belief or actually unbelief that, that God isn't exceedingly good towards us. That's why we need this gospel so desperately over and over again. To hear over and over again what it says in Roman eight, Romans 8 that he who gave his only son for us, how will he not with him also graciously give us all things? God has already given to his children his very best in Jesus. His very best. He's not holding out on us. He's not holding something back that's even better. Which leads us to the only command found in this passage in verse 19. So now, present your members as slaves to righteousness, leading to sanctification. So now, present yourself, all that you are, every part of your body, every aspect of your being, present it to God in obedience to him. Not to gain anything from God because you've got it all already in Jesus. And so scripture this morning is presenting many contrasts to us, two different ways, two different masters. And it's a great summary in verse 23 to sum it all up. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. And so we have this choice before us, a choice of slavery or true freedom, a choice of, of sin and shame or a choice of flourishing, a choice of death or a choice of the free gift of God, eternal life in Jesus, a choice of living outside of the fishbowl, shriveling up and dying or living and flourishing within the boundaries that God has set out for us. Sin is a dead end destination that only leads to death. And so I encourage you this morning to come to Jesus. True freedom is only found in him. True freedom is found in total devotion and obedience to Jesus. Would you pray with me? Lord Jesus, we do thank you this morning as we consider the life we once lived. And I pray this for those here this morning who are not in faith, that they would consider the life that they are living, a life that leads to a dead end, a life of futility, a life that is not flourishing, a life without peace. And Lord, you have rescued us from all those things and you've given us your very best in Jesus. That in Jesus, your son, we have peace, we have joy, we have hope, we have rest. For that we praise you this morning. It's in his precious name we pray, amen.